The available AKG 36 speaker sound system in the Cadillac Escalade provides 360 degree sound, not just here or here, but everywhere. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade never stop arriving. The available AKG 36 speaker sound system in the Cadillac Escalade provides 360 degree sound, not just here or here, but everywhere. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade never stop arriving. for listening to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast, keeping you up to date with the latest in American soccer. And don't forget to subscribe. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast. I'm Stephen Jodderin in Wisconsin. Armaka Fai down in Texas and Jake Watroba in Minnesota. We are once again delayed by a day because Armand decided to go to the Byron Nelson to check out the interesting sport that golf is. Yeah. How was it, Armand? Um, I, guess, <laughs> I got to see Jordan Spieth in person, but he was awful. Um, I got a little burnt. Uh paid for an overpriced hot dog but i got a cool hat and it was half off so i mean i'm, I'm pretty happy with that and um also uh, I, I just can't stand golf i think i'm at that point where um I'll, I'll play you know it's like a business meeting or something like that but I, I i can never watch it again because it was so oh so boring <laughs> how, how did how did tiger look was tiger playing yesterday no well, what was the point why did you even go that why did you go Listen, mm. I got free tickets, and I was like, let me go because, like, first off, it's the Byron Nelson. Who doesn't go to Byron Nelson? Me. Uh, well, yeah, me? but you're, 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 you get the point. And it, it was an interesting experience. Um, I learned a lot uh, from old older uh, gentlemen and gentlewomen who, uh, who I think personally probably think soccer is boring, but they enjoy golf. <laughs> Which I can't even begin to comprehend how stupid that is. <laughs> did you know? Did you know that that the lowest score wins, Armand? Does that? Did you learn that? Is that what they taught you? No, I knew that man. This guy like a minus twenty or something, and he won. I was like, damn, it's a really good score. This is, course is really easy or something. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, on yeah, this episode, we're, we're talking news and notes regarding U.S. soccer. The counterattack with Jake Watroba. and then Henry Bushnell of Yahoo will join us to talk some World Cup. Give us some previewing as we inch closer to the greatest tournament on the planet. Um, boys, let's begin with this. Reaction to the U.S. men's national team roster. All right, moving on. MLS expansion. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. <laughs> okay, seriously, I, that's how little I care about the roster. But, Armand and Jake, I'll let you have the floor for about 30 seconds to talk about the U.S. men's national team and the friendlies that are coming up. All right, so uh, let me I'll take the first 30 seconds. Um, cool that a friend of the show, Keaton Parks, got called up to the national team. Yes, congratulations. huge congratulations. Huge congratulations to him. He's been through a lot. Um, I mean, outside of that, I don't think we even – in 2014, was Pulisic even a thing? Nope. That was really Copa America where I thought Pulisic really shined – and I remember. So I mean, so I mean, we this. I guess it's pretty worthless, except it's gonna be entertaining to watch a, a kid from the same area we grew up in. Yeah, but uh, we can say that but, about Kellen Acosta, and he's been on the national team. Yeah, man, but Kellen Acosta isn't a friend of the show yet. So that's true. Yet, <laughs> keyword yet. So we'll we'll tr- we'll try to bring him on. I mean, outside of that, yay. <laughs> I I don't know what 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 do you want me to say like. I, I genuinely am very indifferent. I think it's cool, but they're not even the same head coach. Like, come on. There's nothing to be excited about except, oh, yay, young players. Woo, you know what I don't understand? Woo. I don't understand all the, like, well, you know, on, on 
you know, NBC Sports or ESPN or whatever soccer outlet you go to. Breakdown of the U.S. men's national team right here. I'm sitting there going, like, what can you make of it? Nobody. Like, you could tell where the, the kids played at. Maybe his career path, blah, blah, blah. Maybe a little bit of projection. Like, you know, you might see him more like Keen Parks. You probably see him reg- more regularly with Benfica. He's going to go travel and do the offseason stuff with the A-team. Great. But other than that, you're not going around saying, yeah, well, this kid's going to be here in two years and that kid's going to be there and watch for this partnership. It's all a bunch of BS. And quite frankly, I think we're going to lose at least two out of three games. Um, France is going to be good and Ireland is going to be pretty damn good. Because you know why? Because they qualified for the World Cup. Wow. You guys are so negative. (laughs) You know, you know what I'm looking forward to the most of, of uh, when I saw the roster, the resurrection of Julian Green. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's your I boy mean, right uh, there, Jake. Who? Who? Uh, am I the only one who laughed when I saw his name on the? <laughs> I, I honestly didn't notice. I didn't notice his name until like you mentioned it. I was like, wait, he got yeah. called up. Yeah, I I did like a double take. I'm like, wait, what the hell, Julian Green? Why is he on? What? What is he like in third division? Like the third division in Germany or something, or the fourth division in Germany? Like what? Somewhere something like that. I mean, wherever he is, we don't know. And they called up, I mean, did you, did you know, someone called up two forwards, but I think it's just for a match because they did mention they want to make a lot of changes before the June friendlies. So I mean. They might be there for like a couple of weeks. Oh, who cares? Let's move on. Honestly, let's just move on. Let's talk about <laughs> some real stuff. Um, actually, huge news from Nashville's Major League Soccer Club. Ian Ayer is the first CEO of the club. Now, I'm reading from the Tennessean by Joe Rexroad. Ayer, who was voted Premier League Chief Executive of the Year in 2017, spent a decade building that club, Liverpool, on and off the field and has signed on to do the same for Nashville MLS. Let me just say, Nashville, a round of applause to you. What a great hire. What a significant hire for the club. They're taking this for real. I don't I think they're going to try as hard to replicate everything that Atlanta has done. I would go, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I would say so they're back to the Ownership is backed by uh, Ziggy Wilf, who owns the Minnesota Vikings. You know they got that NFL money behind them. I don't see why they why they wouldn't do the same thing. I mean, it's a it's a thing to replicate. I mean, look the success that Atlanta's had with their forty thousand uh, average crowd and like the excitement and the potential, the things they've done in MLS so far. I mean, why wouldn't you want to replicate it? And the first step is bringing in these. Uh, executives, which I think when they come into MLS, they have a lot of fun. They're oh, like, absolutely. Hmm, now let me continue. Let me continue reading. Liverpool ownership tried to convince Air to stay when he announced in 2016 his plan to tra- transition out, according to the Daily Mail. He took over TSV 1860 Munich in 2017, but left the job after a few weeks because of what he termed warning factions within the ownership group resulting in financial promises unfulfilled. So he returned to Liverpool and waited. Now, he has detractors, including Liverpool fans who staged a walkout because of a ticket price hike and a per quick search on Twitter, it seemed seems some Liverpool supporters have blamed him for everything but cloudy days in England. Let me ask you guys, Liverpool... Um, They've trended upward in the last, I would say, decade, right? I mean, they're pretty good right now, right? Like, where are they playing on Saturday? Like, I think they're playing in some important game. Not sure which one. I don't. Is know. it the? I don't know. I don't know which one. I mean, the champ- seems like a really important game. I think it's uh, the U.S. Open Cup. No, it's the Concacaf Champions League. No, 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 you guys, you guys, it's the UEFA Super Cup. It's the, the, the you know that one. Oh Ooh. no, it's the um, the Johnson Paints Trophy. <laughs> wow, you're going deep. <laughs> they're playing the they're playing for the Champions League final. Of course, they've turned it upward. I mean, if they you had distract detractors, man, like shoot, your team is in the Champions League final, and apparently he was one of the guys who helped bring in Klopp, and now he's coming to MLS. They're going to go. They're going to go after a big manager. I'm convinced 
more so than ever that I think Arsene Wenger will somehow end up in MLS, whether it's with the LA Galaxy or even Nashville. Would would Sam Allardyce count as yes. a big-time manager? Because that dude, has he has been linked to MLS for so many different vacancies. I mean, he's been linked with the U.S. men's national team. <laughs> I still want him with the national team. That's just my two cents on it. But I think this is brilliant for MLS, and this is brilliant for Nashville because they're taking it serious, and they're putting a soccer guy in charge. I, there's there's an MLB club or one of the NBA clubs who has a backwards, but they're run by not people from that sport. I don't know who it is, but there's a there's an MLB club who's run by like with football guys, or the Cleveland Browns are ran by the a Cle- bunch of baseball guys. The, yeah, the Cleveland Browns are run by the guy who basically founded Moneyball, or at least yeah. they were. But anyway. Podesta, yeah. And his role is going to be similar to Liverpool as he is quoted for saying, I will manage all aspects of the team, the business side, and the soccer side. So congratulations, Nashville. You get an A++ with this. We're rating teams now? Yes. Uh, MLS Week 12. Ebro got a red card after he stepped on Montreal Impact's Michael. No, he didn't step on him. He slapped him in the face. No, after getting stepped on by Michael and proceeded to slap him. (laughs) Is the Ebra experiment becoming a problem? Yes. uh, It's not as easy as I think he thought it would be. It's a lot more physical, and in this league, they don't respect him. Um, I I talked to Kellen Acosta, actually, after the FCDOS game. He was saying along the lines of, uh, look, he has to respect us. Like, he, we're not going to just fall over and let him do whatever he wants. Like we we we, we demand we demand his respect. Basically, is what he, what he was saying. And I think a lot of teams are starting to do that. I mean, you saw in the Houston game, Romel Kyoto, um, you know, tried to get Ibra ejected uh, by uh, shoving him and um, doing really weird head antics uh, on the corner. So I mean, it's it people want to frustrate him. They want to send them off, and Ibra is falling for the bait. He hasn't been scoring that much. He's struggled to get opportunities. So, I mean, I think it's it's kind of just Ibra's kind of like, damn, I think it's a lot harder than I thought. I think we talked about that last uh, couple episodes ago with Kevin Baxter. Especially. Yeah, uh, LA Galaxy did end their four-game losing streak. Ola Kamara found... Ola Kamara, by the way, I'm, I'm going to go off on a quick tangent. I... Uh, he, like he's a great sign. That Zardes uh, Kamara trade has ended up really good for both sides. Yes. Jake, Ibra, do you think he's going to last his contract at the LA Galaxy? And if so, what gives first, him or something else? I mean, what are the, the Galaxy going to do? I think they're going to get rid of Ziggy Schmidt uh, pretty soon. I, I think he'll last. I think he's – I think he first and foremost, he's struggling because to deal with the constant losing – with the exception of today. And I think he's struggling with the fact that his teammates aren't to the quality that he's used to when uh, when he's playing with, you know, Barcelona, AC Milan, Inter, PSG, and and Man United. So I I think he's struggling with, with those two things right now. I I think eventually Eber will, will figure it out. There's probably, there probably is a learning curve. Um, But yeah, it kind of a dumb a dumb foul today. I don't know why he decided he needed to slap some guy in the There's back of the head. There's VAR. I know. <laughs> it's not like he could have gotten away with it. Like, they were going to review it regardless. Like, it's just such a bonehead play by That's a guy. frustration. Who... Plus, he gets it, to sit on the bench for a game. I think that the, I think Galaxy are a little stressed out because they want to perform so well for Ebra and expect to play one style. That I think sometimes nerves catch up with some of the players, especially the youngsters. And then whoever the Galaxy are playing, it's Ebro. So you're going to step up your game. Like, you want to be like, look at me. Like, I'm going to take down Ebro, right? So yeah, that's exactly what he was doing. I mean, come on. Like it, Ebro, Ebro did the foul and did the slap in the face. But, you know, Petrosa knew exactly what he was doing in that instance. They were trying to oh, yeah. frustrate him. By the way, I just want to applaud Petrasso for that uh, that dive too. But when he got slapped in the head, <laughs> he saw it. He got hit, grabbed his ear, 
And like it was kind of like, oh, what what was that? And then all of a sudden, just fell to the the ground. And, and then Zlatan falling down too at the yeah. same time. That was hilarious. After he realizes, oh no, I'm probably gonna get a red card for this. <laughs> you know, you know. I mean, I, 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 you know who else did that? Uh, it was actually in the Atlanta United uh, Red Bull game when Greg Garza got that red card. You see him fall down, hold his shoulder. I mean, hopefully his shoulder is fine. But like as soon as like he like made the challenge, he just fell down and. It was just like, I don't know, it was kind of, I mean, hopefully he's not injured. It was kind of funny. He's just lying down, lying down. The ref was just waiting for him to get up to give him a red card. Yeah. All right, moving on. Uh, some interesting scores from this week 12 in MLS. Uh, New York Red Bulls 3, Atlanta 1, Minnesota United 1, Sporting KC 1, Portland 2, LAFC 1, NYCFC 4, Colorado 0, TFC 1, I mean 2, Orlando 1. Let me ask you boys, who is the best right now in mls jake i'm gonna take this because i just wrote about this for the first part red bulls red bulls are the best team in mls right now and there's the way jesse marsh first of all, he's, he's linked with uh, the big the leipzig red bull and so is we'll talk Adams. about that by the way we yeah. will get to that and he and he just knows like i just tactically how to set up teams for games i mean the way they played atlanta atlanta looked Flustered, they looked frustrated. They couldn't. They struggled to press, and basically, the press what they did was they made Guzan into a, a distributor, and Guzan can't distribute at all. So it just kept forcing turnover after turnover, after turnover. You didn't see Atlanta really get on the break, and you you saw Red Bull minimize uh, NYCFC. They gr- uh, grinded out a win against the Galaxy. They've gotten this Red Bull two setup going really well. I mean. I feel like every single time you say Red Bulls are doing good, they end up losing like in some like heartbreaking way. But like, they look like the best team in MLS in my eyes, and I currently I don't think I see anything that change that can change that in the foreseeable future. They got further than Seattle, and Seattle's crapped themselves in the league regarding the Concacaf Champions League. And compared them to Toronto, I mean Toronto's been hit with injuries, but it seems like the Red Bulls have got their act together. And have done really well post Concacaf Champions League, but Jake, I don't know. Do you think the Red New York Ripples are the standalone best team right now in Major League Soccer? <clears throat> I don't know if they're the standalone best team in Major League Soccer. I would say right now, as of today, they are the best team in Major League Soccer. Now, like you said, TFC they have some injuries right now. You know, if they get healthy, how does that change the landscape of MLS? Um, Atlanta, while Red Bull really took it to them yesterday and, and really, you know, handled them, I think Atlanta is still one of the best teams in MLS. It's it's an interesting question in, to look at right now, but I, I would say as of today, Red Bull have to be looked at as the as a top dog in the league. Well, and I'd it, like to I'd like to mention this real quick, Stephen. Uh, against Chivas, it wasn't like Marsh didn't set them up for success. They were set up for success in that game. They just couldn't finish opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. I don't know if that's necessarily on Marsh. He got them into those opportunities with the way they set up the team. Maybe, I would say it's maybe a little bit more on the players. It, just the way Marsh has uh, been co- uh, been coaching, I see just I, I just feel like he sees the game differently than any uh, than any of than many managers in MLS. Yeah, I mean Armand, we were having we were texting back and forth earlier this weekend and i mean we basically decided i mean jesse marsh is probably what the best coach in mls maybe second best coach in mls right now yeah i mean that's i mean that's For sure that, top that, three that that's that's my thought process behind it because just i just i like this his ambition too he's going out trying to get the uefa licenses and he's he's doing those All right, enough and- about marsh we'll get to marsh <laughs> we'll get enough, we'll get to marsh i promise you oh yeah i need to get my marsh soapbox We'll get to him. Um, if you look at the standings, there are games to be played. So you can't look at the points, but you can't look at points per game. And mm-hmm. it's the Red Bulls who have the highest points per game at 2.1. Atlanta's at 2.08. NYCFC's at 2. Um, if you look to the Western Conference, Sporting KC is at 2. The LAFC, who's in second place Western Conference, is at 1.82. The East is significantly better than the West. It's crazy to think about. If you look at if you look at FC Dallas' 17 points, 
which is fourth in the Western Conference. Yes, give or take games in, games in hand and all that stuff. That's fourth for the West. That, Depending on how they do the tiebreakers, that either is on the right side of the playoffs or on the wrong side. That's how much better the East is compared to the West if you look at points alone currently. Granted, that is a little bit inflated. The statistic is a little inflated because of games in hand and blah, 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 tiebreakers. You can't do it. But points per game, Red Bulls are number one. Now, let's talk about the Red Bulls because they have some transfer rumors that I think will significantly impact their season in MLS. Tyler Adams is rumored. uh, This was reported by Christian Dyer from the Metro. We've had him on the show, by the way. He's linked uh, closing in on a deal with RB Leipzig. That is the team that were promoted to the Bundesliga two seasons ago and finished second to Bayern Munich, competed in the Champions League. Actually, their coach just left, so uh, Jesse March is also linked with them. So let's talk about this move. A, is it good for Adams? 100% yes. Oh, yes. It's... Without a doubt, especially because Leipzig likes developing and playing a young talent, it's it'd be a fantastic move, especially to a team like Leipzig who is good. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest here; they're not. They finished, I think, fourth in the Bundesliga. Like, correct I me if I'm wrong. Six. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I've, I I don't know to be honest. They're I, for I sure playing in the Europa League next year. Yes. Okay, so it's fifth or sixth, and it's he's just a great. I think he's just a great young player, and you get to play on a team that Six gives you plays. opportunities. There, thanks, Steven. Um, that plays in the uh, Bundesliga, and the Bundesliga gives Americans opportunities. We've seen that with Weston McKinney and Pulisic. I think it's a no-brainer if he has the offer. <laughs> Sorry, uh, I, I I agree with Armand. Like you said, look at all the Americans that are playing right now in the Bundesliga. The Bundesliga, I don't know what it does compared to England or Spain, but it, def- it seems to be working in terms of developing young American talent. And it's not like he's going to a bottom feeder Bundesliga club. It's not like he's going to Wolfsburg or, 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 or something like that. You know, he's going to Leipzig. He's going to play European football. And I, I, I just, I, I'm just so happy that we are now at a point in American soccer now where we're getting, our players are now recognizing I got to get to Europe if I want to just better myself. You know, it, it seems like we're, there's more, Tyler Adams and Christian Pulisic and there are Jordan Morris's. You know, what do you think the wage is going to be because of the Red Bull link? Do you think there's a discount? Like on transfer, you mean? Yeah, the transfer fee. I'm I'm a little worried that Red Bulls are going to get fleeced of a I mean, were we worried about that with uh Manchester City and uh Harrison they came out and said that they I think they either match the highest offer or they uh, – I mean, this is, again, this is their word against, like, what we think. So, like, obviously they could be lying. But what they said was I think they matched it or they made it even a higher offer for um, for Harrison. I mean, yeah, I, there might be a potential for, like, a discount or something. Um, but, I mean, hopefully that isn't the case because, then again, you have just kind of a weird, I guess, like, it, a conflict of interest of sorts. In in terms yeah. of in, ter- in terms of that, I, I I'm I'm interested to know what the compensation is going to be. Plus, think about it. Tyler Adams is a homegrown kid, so Red Bulls are going to reap all the benefits. Hundred percent. Yep, which is fantastic. Furthermore, they're probably going to. I think he's going to make a move if he's the player we think he is, and his growth over through the years with the U.S. Men's National Team and Red Bulls. Uh. I wouldn't be surprised if he makes a move to a Premier League club or somewhere even bigger in the Bundesliga, command a bigger wage. Then you can have that add-on of, you know, give us 5% of whatever that future fee is going to be. So the, I, don't, I, I don't see that now, but potentially in the future, yes. All right, let's talk about Jesse March. You've already chatted. Armand, you love this move. I absolutely love it. He's a fantastic manager. He just looks at the like, like I said earlier. He looks at the game differently. I think he's. I think if not the best manager, if not second best, I'd I'd probably just for pedigree's sake put Vanny either ahead of him or one A one B because you know Vanny did take team to the CCL final and took him to MLS Cup two years in a row. But Marsh, just 
the way he sets up the teams, like he plays it like a tactical chess match. I mean, you've seen the team run a three six one. They really embrace the high press. Uh, they they really embrace that young that younger player of sorts, which is a part of Leipzig mentality of playing those younger players. And I think he's a manager in MLS that's most suited to go to Europe. I mean, I don't see anyone else that genuinely can go to Europe, any managers at least, that can go to Europe right now and potentially be successful. I think Marsh is the only guy out of all the twenty other, 20, other 22 managers that can be in that position and be ready and get that team to a successful spot. Now, will it be a jump? Absolutely. It'll be a big jump from MLS to uh, the Bundesliga. But I think he can handle it. And I think the way he sets, the sets up the team is just on another level compared to anyone else in the league. I mean, Jake, I don't know. Do you think the same thing? No, I do. Because if you look at, you know, Red Bull roster, it's, it's, it, they're, they're not a team that's built like Atlanta or LAFC where you have all this star power. Superstars, you know? yeah. Exactly. You have... I don't want, I don't know, lesser known parts is the, is the right phrase to use, but you have this, this group of players that aren't household names that he's able to put together and, and make him one really, really good cohesive unit. And it shows there, they are a, a top team in MLS year in and year out under him. And the, the other thing too, is you mentioned about his willingness to work with young players I mean that's gonna bode that's gonna bode very well for him too over at Leipzig, considering they also like to churn out talent. He's a fan, he's a fantastic coach, and it's one of those things that if you look at it from a Red Bull standpoint, I don't know how their season's gonna last. If if because he's gonna have to leave the middle of the season, am I wrong? Because Yo, they're gonna hire is, him during the preseason. And this great segue, Patrick Vieira is also close on the deal with Nice in League A after. Reportedly getting snubbed by Arsenal, or Arsenal made the call, but he was pissed that they didn't offer it to him. Something um, like that. NBC, uh, I read something that NYCFC is desperate to retain Vieira. He uh, even insisting he's the successor to Pep Guardiola at City. <laughs> I so, think like, that's part of the reason why they want to keep him, though. Yes, but I think City Football Group do believe that he is the successor behind Guardiola. Remember, he was a U18, U21, one of the two uh, coach at, uh, at Man City before coming to NYCFC. I think they re- genuinely do think that. And they don't know how many years Guardiola is going to be left. But if, if Guardiola decides to stay longer, then Vieira missed out on his chance. So it's kind of like one of those things where you're like, you can say that, but Vieira is going to do whatever is in his best interest. Didn't Guardiola just sign a new extension through 2022? Or 2021? Somebody want to fact check like that? that? <laughs> Jake, you're fact not, check you're off by a couple of years. You're off by a, a, a year or a couple of years. I don't think it's that big of a deal. But I mean, if 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 you look at it, first off, if NYCFC loses Vieira, what do we make of them? I, I, I don't know. I don't well, know either. Then, but he, they won't have a. But here's the thing, though. I mean, NYCFC they won't have a hard time getting another big name manager. To right, because of the Man City there. affiliation. Yeah. Right. So. I don't know. I don't know if it's all doom and gloom for them if they lose Patrick Vieira. Maybe for this season it might be, but beyond, probably not. They should be fine. Well, beyond, not, the, I think NYCFC is in better hands than RB Red Bulls. RB Red Bulls. <laughs> <laughs> what did I say? NY Red Bulls. Sorry, I'm so used to saying RB Leipzig. RB Red Bulls. Oh my goodness, that's hilarious. Red Bull, Red Bull. But I think you're right. I think you're right because what what options look at to 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 hire? I mean, honestly, if Oscar Pereira was a free agent and Marsha left, I think he'd fit in perfectly with uh, the the Red Bulls with their whole mentality of the Red uh, Red Bull Two and all that stuff. But I mean, outside of that, I mean, it's I I don't know. <laughs> I don't know who who you'd put in that position. And I think if you're Red Bull New York. You're just like, come on, like, please, like, please don't leave, like, especially because the timing's gonna be awful. You're gonna lose him in the middle of the season, so that means you have to make a mid, you have to find an interim coach. You have to make that midseason adjustment. All these players, all this stuff, like, it, it'd be a terrible move for uh, New York. But if it happens, it happens. So they must have a contingency plan or something going. Both, both the, New York. Well, they better, they both better have a backup plan because if both managers leave the squads are going to be a little bit screwed 
I feel bad for David Villa because I think this is the first time where the squad actually is built to succeed in the playoffs and beyond. Think about it, they also have the CONCACAF Champions League that they could qualify through the little rule change that they have because of the way yep. they redid CONCACAF. They're in, in top spot or one of the top two seeds to qualify for that. would have been interesting to have Vieira there to coach them through that. But it's a, it's a big MLS club. I think they'll attract somebody. He, that's I'll, another I'll, club that I think Arsene Wenger would go to. I'll give you a name to watch in that NYCFC job if Vieira leaves. Arteta. Arteta. I was about to say the same thing, Jake. About to say the same thing because he it, did. It makes, it makes perfect sense. He's already at City. So he could say, all right, well, you know, you didn't get the Arsenal job. They could give, if there was that deal with Vieira to be the successor to Guardiola, you could tell Arteta, hey, go to New York for two or three seasons and then come back. And we'll make, you'll, you'll be the guy after Guardiola leaves. But Arsenal yeah, It makes perfect won. sense. Okay, and they hired someone else? Well, the, or, or that guy's going to last six months before his head's Alle- going to be called a- a- for. Allegedly, allegedly. Um, but if he doesn't, I mean, if you're Arteta, I would take the opportunity and go. Yeah, absolutely. Why, These are really interesting names. I think Wenger, Arteta, great names because Red Bulls have this weird Arsenal link. Remember, Red Bulls have played at that Emirates Cup a couple of times. Well, they have a Terry Henry link there too between yes. Wenger and, and Red Bull. So, I mean, another thing too about Marsh going to, to Germany, it just raises the profile of MLS and, and New York Red Bull too. In a way, it would suck for Red Bull, but you're just raising the profile of your club. And that just makes it so much easier to, to attract you know, talent worldwide. And the whole system, man. Like especially like Red Bull Two, uh, the Red Bulls, the whole academy. I mean, all that stuff gets a giant boost. Especially if a guy, especially if Adams leaves too, as a part of that. If they both leave, all of a sudden you're like, shoot, the Red Bulls just send off a guy to go to the Bundesliga, which is like Dallas when they well they didn't send off, but they lost out McKinney to Schalke, and now their coach is gone too. That's an indication of how of their system. And other clubs taking notice of MLS. MLS well needs run, to be in that place. It's a well-run machine up there for both New York clubs. Whether we like it or not, they're both well-ran, and it's starting to show. Um, we don't have the time to get to the other talking points, but I wanted to uh, – Joe Hart is linked with NYCFC. Um, no. No? No. Nope. Rain Rooney was featured as a player on a website? It's a, it's probably it, – it looks like a done looks like a done deal, I think, from – that, I mean, I saw I saw what you're talking about. This, he was linked on the MLS website for like merchandise. and said, "Welcome, Wayne Rooney." Blah blah blah. blah. And he's like, "Yeah, it's probably okay. done deal." And uh, Alexi Lawless says, "There's nothing wrong with supporting El Tree for the World Cup." In an interview with Complex, yes or no? Quickly, thirty seconds for both. Do you agree with yeah. Lawless? Yes, there's nothing wrong with it. Um, but. Uh, Lawless is just saying that I think because like the network, I guess. Yeah, network. Like that. It's all network. I don't think he believes it. Uh, Jake. I don't know. I think I think he heard what I said last week about how much <laughs> it must kill him to say that for the. the <laughs> yeah, yeah, he heard it, and uh, now he's, he's doubling down. And I, I mean, I don't know. I guess I, I'm not going to pull for Mexico. That's not the team I'm going to watch uh, at the World Cup. But so, I mean, if that's what if that's what Lawless wants to do, more power to him, I guess. Anyway, up yep. next is the counterattack with Jake Watroba. Fast paced, shifty movement, brilliant skill. It's the counterattack with Jake Watroba. It's counterattack time. Jake Watroba. We got Armand. We got Steven. I'm going to present you guys with... I got two topics this week. Two topics. Okay. All right. I'm excited. We'll, we'll, we'll dive right in. So, late last week, the U.S. men's national team unveiled their preliminary roster for a set of friendlies, uh, starting with Bolivia. Uh, I'm not sure when that match is. Is it next week or this week? Next Monday. There you go. However, that is not the uh, point of this discussion. What also was released last week Uh-oh. was the FIFA World Rankings. Oh, I know where. Yes. Number six in the world. The Swiss. Yeah, Switzerland is number six in the world. Oh, yeah. While 
Armand's Iranian squad is 36. However, oh. that is not that is not what we're discussing today. Oh, damn. Darn. Can you both take a guess at where the U.S. rank right now in the FIFA men's rankings? 27th. I promise you I've not looked at this. I didn't give Jack's squad about 18. the U.S. men's team. I'm saying 27. I'm going 18. It is number 24. Four ahead of the oh. Costa Rican national team. They are higher than the Costa Rican <laughs> national team. Ah, uh, that's awesome. How wow. bizarre is that? I wish I would have. Uh, well, I because I went and the FIFA. I don't know how many teams higher than uh, that are in the World Cup right now? But I just thought that was funny. I saw Costa Rica right one step below them. I thought, how is that even? A, how is that even a thing? But the FIFA rankings are, are a joke. I mean, Gary Lineker tweeted out saying, "Well, the Swiss are six. There's no way they're ahead." It, it's based on the matches you play now. Poland was in pot one or pot A when it came to the World Cup qualif- uh, drawings. Because they had not played a friendly after year, the Euros in 2016. That's they, smart. They specifically tried to win all their qualifications games so they could be in that pot A and get a good seating. Switzerland and Portugal, if Switzerland had, I think, won the group, they would have been in pot A. But because they had to go through the playoffs, they got screwed. But it could have been a lot different if Switzerland had been one of the top of the groups with Poland like it's it's really complex and it's very smart I'm sorry Gary Lineker your British teams are stupid okay from the coach on down typically are not the most brilliant if Poland and Switzerland can figure out how to work the FIFA rankings I'm pretty sure England could too that's your fault yeah I agree buddy wrong got a host <laughs> just saying <laughs> I mean we, we need we need we need. I won't be in pot three or four or pot we were in. Like, come on, come on. Uh, other big national teams that didn't qualify that finished higher in, in these rankings than the U.S. Uh, Wales, number twenty-one. The Netherlands at nineteenth. Uh, let's see here. Tunisia. Did Tunisia qualify? Yeah. Tunisia Where's qualify. Italy? Italy. Ah, I forgot about them. They're twentieth. Wow. And I'm looking here real quick. The highest. Ranked team to not qualify for the FIFA World Cup, finishing at number nine, Chile. Damn, that's crazy. Chile is about that to is go crazy. through a drought because their squad is old. Yep, and um, yeah, that's the FIFA rankings for you. I think they're about pretty backwards, and they need to figure out some new like Elo way of doing things and not this stupid. Oh, you know what's up with the high pitched voice, like a, Armand? They need like a Sorry, coach's man. pull. Mickey like a Mouse. coach's pull in college basketball or college football. But moving on, next topic up for discussion. We're going to play another game. All right, I'm going to oh, win yes, this, this one. Week. I have to win this one. I bet, Steve. One zero. Uh, Armand, you, ins- you inspired me last week when we <laughs> challenged you to name five DC United players. And I did. And you did. Uh, and we, we congratulate you. Great job. Great you job. Congratulate me on the show. I was kind of insulted. Today, we are playing a game called DC or PC. <laughs> what? Oh no. Oh boy. I'm going to present you with names of either DC United players or people <laughs> who are renowned, we'll say, in the personal computer world. And you have to tell me if I when I say their name, you have to tell me are they a DC United player or are they uh just PC? So you'll say DC or PC. Oh god. So, for, for, first thing up, up for discussion here, you both will just give me your answers, and I'll tell you if you're right or wrong. All right, let's do it. First name, is it DC or is it PC? Steven Wozniak. Oh, that's PC. DC. Steven, what, what did you say? PC. And Armand? DC. Steven Wozniak designed the single board Apple One computer. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. That Why did I think... <laughs> Maybe you're confused with Chris Wondolowski of San Jose, who DC <laughs> no, just played. No, no, I could have sworn there was someone. Never mind. Keep going with this game. <laughs> Second name here. Is it DC or is it PC? Russell Knauss. DC. Russell Knauss, DC. That's right. DC United midfielder. 
The next name here. Is it DC or is he PC? Chris Malakowski. DC. Hey, no Googling, Armand. DC. You said PC, Armand? I said DC. DC. You're both wrong. It's PC. Chris Malakowski is the founder of NVIDIA. They design graphics cards. Uh, Next name on the list. DC or PC? John O'Sullivan. O'Sullivan. God, that's oh such an English that's name. So that's such a yeah. soccer name, too. O'Sullivan on the ball. Um, I'm going to go with uh, DC. Oh, that's so hard. But yeah, I'm going to go DC, too. You are both wrong. It's PC. John O'Sullivan is credited with the creation of Wi-Fi. Oh Wi-Fi, the Wi-Fi. Damn, we're stupid, Steven. Yes. <laughs> hey, at least we're getting our soccer players correct. It'd be a lot worse if we're getting all the soccer ones wrong. <laughs> That's in DC for all four. I guess I'm an idiot. <laughs> we got three. We got three more names left here. All right, is he DC or is he PC? Steve Clark, DC, DC. That is right. All right. He is the DC United goalkeeper. I think he's the backup actually. Yeah. Uh, he is. Next, I next yeah. name on the list: DC or PC? Chris Durkin. That's DC. DC. DC United defender slash midfielder. Yeah, he's really good too. By the he's, way, he's good. Off topic. I had to I had to find people who had kind of just generic names. Yeah. Yeah, because Steve Burnbaum wouldn't work, huh? <laughs> well, I, yeah, I'm like you're gonna know who that is. Um, last but not least, DC or PC? Sean Fanning. Uh, I'm gonna go PC. DC. It is PC. Steven got it. Sean Fanning. He is. This might be before your guys' time because you're a little bit a little bit younger than me. He is one of the founders of Napster. Oh, I actually used Back that program. Back in the day, I I did not. I torrented. <laughs> Sorry, FBI. Well, that's all. That's all we got for the counterattack. That's that's it. That's it. PC or PC? That's hilarious. All right. Well, up next is Henry Bushnell of Yahoo Sports. Alrighty, let's talk some World Cup. On the line with us is Henry Bushnell. You can follow him at Henry Bushnell. He writes for Yahoo. Some World Cup. Henry, how excited are you for this upcoming World Cup without the U.S. men's national team there? I'm honestly very excited. Just as excited as I would be if the U.S. were there, to be completely honest. Um, And yeah, it really, you know, it's starting to kick in. We're getting all the squads rolling in. After the Champions League final, the pre-World Cup friendlies will start up. Um, so I'm completely ready. Yes, you know, no U.S. is a bummer, of course, but uh, but I'm I'm definitely excited. Let me ask you, a lot of people are hyping up Germany, and I, I like to follow the numbers. No team that has won the Confederations Cup the year before went on has went on to win the World Cup. Is Germany flawed? Yeah, so I think they're... It's, I, I don't think they're very flawed. And I, I think the, the Confederations Cup thing, um, and even just, you know, you, you can also look at, you know, no team is repeated since, what, the 70s or 60s or whatever. Um, I think that's more just due to the small sample size and the fact that there is a World Cup only four years and the Confederations Cup is obviously a much more recent thing. I still think they're very good. I think they're absolutely a top three team in the world. Uh, and they definitely do have a chance uh, to go back to back here. The, I, I'm not sure it's their flaws, but I do think there's reason to think that they're not as good as a Spain or a Brazil, just because I'm not sure that they have like the top end talent that those teams have. Obviously, they have outstanding world class players. You know, they have up and coming young players like Miro Sane and Joshua Kimmich. Um, but I just look at Spain and the you know like like Germany. Germany doesn't other than you know Messi is a very good player. Tony Cruz is a very good player, but going forward, it, it's more like players who would rank you know, between five to ten at their position in the world, rather than the absolute tippy top guys that uh, you know Spain has, Brazil has, and maybe even France has. To be honest, um, so I, I think Germany's absolutely right up there, uh, but I'm not sure I would make them the favorite. Henry, whatever Steven said for you to come on, uh, he's lying. You're on here to tell everyone how Iran is going to win the World Cup. <laughs> and um, 
uh, <laughs> and how that they are going to knock off Spain in the group stage. No, 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 no. But speaking of Iran, what are some of the countries that we don't uh, that maybe aren't really mainstream that could make a run in the World Cup this year? So I'm being completely serious here. I actually do kind of like Iran, and nice. I, I I do like I like Iran and Morocco in that in Group B. Uh, and I absolutely think both of them could. Now, I don't know about Spain. I think Spain is going to, I don't know if they're going to walk People, the group, yeah. but I definitely think they're going to win the group. Uh, but Portugal, I think Portugal should definitely be worried about both of those teams. Uh, and I think either could finish second and go through in that group. Uh, in terms of other dark horses, um, so yeah, I actually like Morocco a bit more than Iran. I think Morocco can definitely go through and maybe even win a knockout round game, depending on that matchup with Group A. Um I don't know if you would call Uruguay a dark horse, uh, but I think they can definitely get to maybe even a semifinal, maybe even a final, uh, because they have a fairly easy road. And they're also an interesting team because, you know, in the past, they've sort of been built on this. It's actually, despite their two most famous players being up top, it's been a pretty defensive team. uh, And they, you know, they sit back and they grind out games and sort of rely on Suarez and Cavani to do their thing up top and get them through games. Uh, they can still do that. They can still grind out games, but now they also have this new generation of young midfielders coming through that can sort of allow them to be better against teams that they should beat, be better in games where they would be favored to win. Like, I think they only had, there were only four or five of their 15 qualifiers, you know, where they had more possession than their opponent. Uh, but now this new new midfield is coming through. It gives them a little variety of the way they can play. Um, so I think they can get to, a quarterfinal, and then maybe they can frustrate teams, uh, you know, going back to that old defensive style, like a France or like a Brazil or, or whoever they would be matched up against. Uh, so that would, if you're looking for like a dark horse to get to a World Cup final, I think that's who I'd go with. Uh, and Henry, it's pretty well known now that the U.S. did not qualify for the World Cup. Um, Mexico cruised through CONCACAF. Where, mm-hmm. What's their ceiling in the tournament? How far do you think Mexico can go? Yeah, so it's interesting. Obviously, if you know, if history is our guide here, their ceiling is the round of 16. Um, but it, I, they, they definitely, the ceiling is definitely higher than that. Um, I've, you know, it, it's interesting because a lot of Mexican fans don't like Juan Carlos Osorio, and I think a lot of Mexican fans are more pessimistic about this team than a lot of neutrals are. Uh, but I look at this team like I see Chucky Lozano and Chicharito and Carl, look like you look at Carlos Vela and what he's doing in MLS right now. Um, and even Tecatito Corona, who might not even be able to get into the starting lineup, um, they have a lot of attacking ta- attacking talent. And I mean, really, throughout the team, there are some injury issues in defense, which could be problematic, uh, especially against Ger- Germany uh, in the in the group. And the issue for them really is that if they finish second in their group, they're probably going to see Brazil in the round of 16. Um, so. If something goes, if they somehow win the group, or if Brazil doesn't doesn't win their group, I think their ceiling is beyond the round of 16. I think they have a, that type of talent, uh, but it, it's a pretty tough road for them. It's a pretty tough draw. Uh, so I think round of 16 would probably be the you know if they don't if they don't get past the round of 16, Mexican fans can't really be disappointed or frustrated this time around. Henry. <laughs> A lot of, I would say, a lot of Americans are probably not going to know the styles of many teams. I know my Swiss are going to play a relatively balanced, while the Brazilians are going to play a lot more flamboyant. The Germans are going to play a lot more, I don't know, very German, whatever, strict. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, what countries out there have a style that is just much watch? You know, this is going to sound really weird, but I think this England team, this new England team, is actually going to be really fun. Um, it, it's it's not the England of old. It, you know, they've gotten away from this, you know, long ball four four two, whatever. They, they've gotten they, they've gotten away from that in the past. Um, but this is sort of the first tournament where they don't have big names that they're relying on, and it's sort of the what, what you'll see. It's going to be it's probably going to be a three five two that Gareth Southgate is going to play. And he's relying on a lot of players. I think like nine of his ten, maybe or maybe eight of his ten outfield players are going to be from uh, Manchester City and Tottenham, who are two of the most exciting club teams to watch in the Premier League and in the world. Uh, and his uh, England style has almost soaked up things from Tottenham and from Man City, and even a bit from Man United as well. Um, 
and that's I think that's going to make them a really fun team to watch. Uh, they're they're going to play out of the back. It's it's, it's no more you know hoofing it long, um, and they're going to press teams and they're going to run a lot. They have a lot of athletes on the field. It's going to be pretty up tempo, I think. Um, and you know they they have they've had a good defensive record recently, uh, but I think you're going to see them, especially with Alex Oxley Chamberlain being injured and that possibly bringing another attacking player into the team in his place. I think England's actually going to be a, a, an interesting team to watch. Henry, today we saw the Belgium team announced, and we saw Nangolan actually not, he's not going to Russia, plain and simple. What did you make of that snub? I mean, I've been reading on, I guess that's my problem, I'm reading on message boards, um, and a lot of them have been saying uh, Martinez has uh, ruined the, this generation and all this, but what do you make of that? Yeah, it's, it's interesting because he, so I, I really rate him as a player and a lot of people do. And if a lot of, yeah, if a lot of fans are managing this team, I think they'd probably have him in the starting 11, especially after the season that he's had at Roma. Um, the issue is that it, it seems like Martinez might only play like one true central midfielder. Uh, and I think that's probably going to be Musa Dembele, it looks like. And if Nongolin's not in the starting lineup, he might not be the type of player that you want to take to Russia, especially like it seems like Martinez is sort of clashed with him a bit in the past. Um, and maybe they, you know, I, I don't want to like say anything about his off field habits or anything like that. Cause I just don't know. I don't know exactly what the reasoning was. Um, but there is a chance that he's the type of player that if he's not first choice, you you're better off just not having him around at all. And the drop off from him to Debele or to Yuri Tillemans or to Axel Witzel is not enough to warrant having him around. So while I, I, I probably don't agree with it because I think they sh- absolutely should be able to use him and he makes, he would make them a, a more dangerous team here. Um, I, I guess I kind of understand it. Henry, I know a lot of people circled the African nations as to see who can get the furthest and if an African nation can get to the semifinals as I think the quarterfinals is the furthest any African nation has been that saying uh, which African squad is best fit to make a deep run in this tournament there are a few actually that I think could make a deep run I think there are two teams really that have are like high ceiling low floor teams in Nigeria and Senegal Um, I think like you look at Nigeria's front line with Kalechi Iheanacho and Alex Iwobi uh, and Victor Moses. And they're, they're a pretty deep th- team throughout, actually, if they're healthy. Um, they, have the, they have the talent to make a I, – I don't know about semifinals. That might be a bit of a stretch, but maybe equaling uh, Ghana from 2010 in the, in the quarterfinals. I think that's realistic. And same for Senegal. Uh, with they're, they're balanced at both ends of the field. You know, Sadio Mane leading the attack and – uh, Kaladu Koulibaly from Napoli is their, their main center back, and he's really a force for them. Um, but they also, like, they don't really have an idea of what they want to do, and their manager, there's a lot of questions about the manager. Um, so those are both teams that, and they're in tough groups too. Like, I don't think either of them would be favored to get out of their groups. So I think if they do get out of their groups, they can maybe cause some trouble in the knockout stages. Uh, but they're also there's also a chance that they win zero games at the tournament uh, combined or something like that. And then the third team would be Morocco, as I mentioned earlier. Um, they they didn't allow a single goal in the final round of qualifying. Uh, they they beat the Ivory Coast um, to get out of their qualifying group, and they they do have an identity. That's the thing about them. They have an identity, and they have some talent throughout the team as well. They have a good combination of veteran players who have you know been around for a while, and they've also I think more than half the roster is going to be foreign-born. They've sort of, you know, pulled players from France and the Netherlands and players that have Moroccan roots. Uh, but, you know, so, so there's, there's a, and all these players are now, they're, they're based in Europe and they're, they're really experienced on the club scene. Um, so, so that's a team I'm really intrigued by as well. Now, Henry, obviously the World Cup being staged in Russia is going to be interesting as the political situation is... Yeah, it's unbalanced. What do you think is? How do you think this is all going to work out in Russia for these sixty-four matches? Yeah, that's you know I think the word you use interesting. Like I think that's the right word for it because I'm not sure anybody really knows. I, and a lot of a lot of the time, what happens with these things 
is they get swept un- under the rug as much. Mm-hmm. They all, all of Russia's problems will be swept under the rug as much as possible. Um, so, and you'll see, for example, like you'll see Vladimir Putin will want to make his country, you know, presented to the world as like, a, and a, as normal a country as possible, basically. And they're going to, they're going to like, for example, with the, like hooliganism is like, that's obviously not really a political thing, or maybe there are some political connections, but it's not, probably not really what you're talking about. Um, but after the, you know, the whole debacle at Euro 2016, where a bunch of their fans basically, or I should, probably shouldn't even use the word fans. These, these guys just came to cause trouble. That Hooligans. sort of set off alarm bells. And, and apparently there's been a big, you know, hooligan crackdown and they've warned all these groups that you absolutely cannot do anything during the World Cup. Um, so chances are that a lot of now, like they'll probably be some like travel issues and every once in a while you, you'll hear about something and there'll be people digging into, you know, like state sponsored doping and stuff. But FIFA isn't going to do anything about that until after the tournament. Um, so the, yeah, the, as much as possible, these things will sort of, I, I really don't think they will affect the actual 64 games of the World Cup. Well, Henry, since you've been with us and giving us all this preview, you have to give us a winner. So um, we're going to ask you to make a prediction. Um, Come on, Iran. It's it's obvious. Yeah, it's it's going to be uh, Shakiri. It's going to be Iran. And Switzerland. <laughs> it's it's going to be it's going to be Italy as that one firm thought that like, giving them a 1.7 percent chance. 1.8. No, but 1.8. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> no, but Henry. Who do you have winning it all? Yeah, so I think I think I'm, as of now, this this is subject to change until <laughs> June thirteenth or whatever. But I think I'm gonna go with Spain. I just I just think Spain's the best team. I uh, and it's and it's as much you know, Spain is almost they're they're famous for their you know their passing and their attacking. But I think it's really because of the the defense that they're gonna win this thing. Um, and David de Gea, who right now is the best goalkeeper in the world, so. And if uh, I'll probably so I'll, I'd go Spain over probably Brazil in the final. That would that would have to be my mm, pick. Juicy. We're not going to give our predictions just yet, Armand. We'll save ours <laughs> for for closer. To yeah, Henry, we gotta save ours. Yeah. <laughs> Henry, Spain's an interesting pick. I'm I'm not too sure. I just think there are a couple of squads ahead of them, but it's it's not a a bad pick either. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, I'll wait to hear you guys pick later. Yeah, you're gonna have to check. You're gonna have to check out the show. But uh, one last thing is, we do have a shameless plug here. So go ahead and let the listeners know where they can follow you, read all your content, and the World Cup uh, coverage that you're gonna be doing. Yeah, so we're already underway with team previews, and we've got group previews coming, and a, a, a lot of other stuff. So you can follow me at Henry Bushnell, uh, just H E N R Y B U S H N E L L. Pretty simple. Um, you can follow at FC Yahoo on Twitter uh, as well, or just go to the Yahoo Sports soccer page. Everything is there, and you'll find our World Cup hub uh, for all the written content and stuff like that. So, yeah, um, that's where you can find myself. And, yeah, appreciate you guys having me myself. Absolutely. Thanks again, Henry. Cool. Thanks, guys. I've been moving commas on trouble in me. <laughs> Trying nice singing, Armand. I love it. I love it, man. Love it. Trying to make it peaceful is a trouble for me. Struggle. Trouble. Is it anyway? Semi Ojale has a three. Oh, nice. Marcus Morris can't guard LeBron. Definitely recording. Al Horford's Al Horford's plan get eliminated in the Eastern Conference Finals. A. Hashtag rigged. Hashtag rigged. Rig. Yes, um, boys. World Cup in Russia, do you think what type of controversy is going to be most prevalent? Off the field or is it going to be with VAR? I mean, off the field, Donald Trump will send out some tweets. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to talk about how great Vladimir Putin's World Cup is and people will lose their minds. You know, he's going to be yeah. like, America could host a better World Cup. That's exactly what he's going to say. It'd be huge. A huge World it'd Cup. Be huge. It'd be the biggest on the planet. Yeah, so I think most of the controversy is going to come when Steven cries with the Swiss not making it out of the group stage. Nah, they're going to get out. Iran's going to literally get plastered. They're going to have a goal differential of minus 12. Who? Iran? Is that that a guarantee? 
I'm not making any guarantees. Uh, that's what I thought. Yeah, you better back down. Is this that <laughs> same Iran team that almost beat Argentina in 2014? Yeah, well, Switzerland yes. took Argentina to the 116th minute, then Di Maria scored, and then we hit the post two minutes later, okay? I didn't know you played in the team, Steven. God, we always play. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we win, and they we, lose. That's how it works in sports. We, we, we win, they one. lose. Anyway, listeners, yeah. follow us on Twitter, Unc Sam Soccer Pod, Amakafai, Jake Watroba, Stephen Jodder, and we'll be back next week with another wrapping edition with Armakafai. Armand's plan. Armand's plan. plan. little flexibility can go a long way. By refinancing your newer used auto loan with PenFed, you can lower your monthly payments for more flexibility in your budget. You can even schedule your first payment for up to 60 days from the date of your refinance. Calculate how much you can save at PenFed.org slash autorefi or call 1-800-247-5626 to apply. Membership is open to everyone. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. The available AKG 36 speaker sound system in the Cadillac Escalade provides 360-degree sound, so you hear studio sound on the road. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving.